My name is Dr. Patrick Willis. You're about to listen to the podcast of Roseville Baptist Church. We pray that this benefits you greatly, and if you do not have a church home, we would love to have you with us, and we just pray that you're in a Jesus-centered, gospel-exalting church near you. Amen. Church, if you have your copy of God's Word, let's look back into the Gospel of Luke. Uh, this morning, we're going to look at Luke 2, uh, starting there at verse 13, and look through uh, verse 20. Uh, Luke 2, verses 13 through 20. Uh, my Christmas series this year has been entitled, Reviewing the Titles of Jesus, uh, Part 4. And so as we've looked through uh, over the years that I've been here at Rosefield, we've been through many Christmas uh, sermon series. Uh, some of those years we've looked at the Gospel of uh, Matthew. Some of those years looked at the Gospel of Luke. We've been through Christological passages that talk about Jesus, Philippians 2, Hebrews 1, Colossians 1, John 1. Other years we've gone through various Old Testament uh, sermon series, looking at some of the prophecies about Jesus from Isaiah or Jeremiah or, or Hosea. Uh, one year looked through the first portion of the Gospel of John. Uh, this year, as I I thought about, prayed about what to do. I uh, read back through these uh, gospel accounts, particularly in Matthew and Luke, and what caught my attention were some of these titles of Jesus. Uh, now, part of the trouble in just picking out a few titles is there are many more. Uh, matter of fact, even back in verse 11 there of Luke 2, you had multiple titles in even just that one verse uh, of Luke 2 and verse 11. But uh, in through this Christmas season, we have looked at uh, the title of Jesus as Emmanuel, God with us from Matthew 1, Jesus as King of the Jews from Matthew 2, even as we just sang about that. Uh, we looked at Jesus as Savior from the first part of Luke 2, and then this morning, look at Jesus as Prince of Peace. And so one of the immediate uh, you know, questions for you to raise is, oh, say, preacher, I don't see the language of Prince of Peace here. Um, that's true. But what we do see, especially there in verse 14 uh, of Luke 2, is uh, the heavenly host with the angels praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven. And the proclamation is made there of peace on earth to people he favors, uh, or even as the King James says, uh, peace on earth to good men or people of good cheer. And so you've got that language in there of peace on earth specifically directed at the fact that 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 peace comes from Jesus, from the Christ, and that that peace is upon uh, the followers of Jesus. Matter of fact, as we look back to even the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, where we get that prophecy of Jesus as Prince of Peace, Isaiah 9 verse 6 says, He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And as I reflected back upon Jesus there as Prince of Peace, I found where Matthew Henry, of course, very, very famous pastor from uh, centuries past, where he commented on that passage and said about Jesus as Prince of Peace, he said, He is the Prince of Peace. As a king, he preserves the peace, commands peace. Nay, he creates peace in his kingdom. He is our peace. And it is his peace that both keeps the hearts of his people and rules in them. He is not only a peaceable prince and his reign peaceable, but he is the author and giver of all good, all that peace, which is the present and future bliss 
of his subjects. And so that's what I want us to do this morning is we'll read here through the this end part uh, of this portion of Luke 2 verses 13 through 20 and focus here upon Jesus as the Prince of Peace. And in this passage, Luke records the angel's announcement of the birth of Jesus. And so all I want to do this morning is remind us that we must hold tight to Jesus as he is the Prince of Peace. And so with all of that said, let me ask you this morning if you'll stand in honor of God who has spoken to us, and uh, I will read for us uh, Luke 2, starting there in verse 13, where God's Word says this, and I hope we never get over these words. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth. To people he favors. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed. And what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. This is God's word. Let's pray together this morning. Our Father in heaven, God, we are grateful, Lord, for this day. God, I I do not know the precise language, God, to try to describe, Lord, how thankful we are unto you. Thankful for the birth of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Thankful that, God, you took on human flesh and were born under the most humble of circumstances. Born such that we could be amazed, Lord, that that you are with your people. Born such that you could show us, in fact, exactly how to live, how to obey perfectly God's law. But born ultimately to do what we could not do. Remain completely perfect and then die in our place for our sins such that the very wrath of God would be satisfied. God, upon this Christmas Eve, God, we ask that in these moments that you would allow us to reflect upon this portion of your word and to reflect upon the magnitude here of Jesus entering into here time and space and history, being our peace and bringing peace to us. Lord, we ask you to be with us this morning. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we love you and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, let me ask you to be seated this morning. I do want to speak several words to us about peace this morning. The first point I want to try to make out of the text is that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Uh, what I'll then try to reflect upon is that His peace must now be received. And there, what I'll try to do is describe not only what Luke is doing right here with describing this angelic pronouncement about Jesus as bringing that peace, uh, but then also I'll briefly trace peace through uh, the writings of uh, Luke. And then as well, the last point I'll make will be that his peace will one day be plentiful. And this is just some neat things that I haven't noticed before in the Bible that I'll mention uh, today. 
But when we look through a text like this, this is a text that we've we've seen, we've heard, we've looked at many, many times across. Uh, I know I certainly have. And again, even as I said a few moments ago, it is my hope and my prayer for us is that, that we would never get over these words. That we would never read these words and say, oh yeah, it's just another time to see those words. Yeah, it's another Another sunset, another sunrise, another beautiful fall leaves. I just hope that there are things in life that we would never get over. This being just the incredible this that we have here to read of the eternal God taking on human flesh. And we read this text, and this is one of the points to make out of it. But when we read here that, that the Lord Jesus here, he is our peace. We just cannot get over the, the magnitude of these words. I mean, what we just read there, what you just read was angelic beings singing and proclaiming the birth of this child. Here, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And as the quote from uh, the Anglican J.C. Ryle says that I've shared many, many times, I think, with you, listen to just how he describes this magnitude of the birth of Christ right here. He says, the spiritual darkness which had covered the earth for thousands here of years was about to be rolled away. The way to pardon and peace with God was about to be thrown open to all mankind. The head of Satan was about to be bruised. Liberty was about to be proclaimed to the captives and recovery of sights to the blind. The mighty truth was about to be proclaimed that God could be just and yet for Christ's sake justify the ungodly. Salvation was no longer to be seen through types and figures, but openly and face to face. The knowledge of God was no longer here to be confined to the Jews, but to be offered to the whole Gentile world. The days of hedonism were numbered. The first stone of God's kingdom was about to be set up. And as J.C. Ryle ends his quote, he said, If this was not good tidings then there never were good tidings that deserved the name. I mean, I just think how embarrassed so often I am at the things that I talk about or end up proclaiming or saying or or having a smile on my face or my face lighting up at them. This is that which should light our faces up. This is that which should, in fact, just bring out a glow in us as we tell about, especially here, Jesus as the Prince of Peace. Even just where we picked up there in verse 13. Now we know what has just transpired here with the birth of Christ. But even just looking at here, just where we picked up in verse 13, suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host. I mean, I I, I know we try to wrap our minds around that. There have been movies and, and musical, and even in our Christmas play here, we try to depict what that was like, but we cannot, I cannot fully wrap my mind around even what verse 13 is saying. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven. Church, I mean, when we walk outside here lately, we've had some gorgeous weather, high skies. You walk outside some of these cool nights the stars just seem to be twinkling and i look at that and i'm like wow that's amazing god made all of that it's there as a showcase of his glory and yet think about that and how we can just be caught up in how beautiful just the starry sky is 
Look at how much more so this moment in history is. A multitude of the angels here praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven. Proclaiming that God's glory is, is, is out there in the cosmos, visible for us. But in this moment, God's glory present right there in that animal feeding trough, in that manger, in baby Jesus. In fact, yes, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. Church, there is no way to read this text and think of Jesus as either just another baby or just a prophet or just as a moral philosopher or just as a wise fellow. This, in fact, is a baby that changes reality. This is a baby here that truly brings peace on earth. And the, the, the text reflects that. Again, we can't miss that. I mean, verse 15, <laughs> verse 15 says, when the angels had left them and returned to heaven. I mean, can, can we read verse 15 and say, oh, yeah, that, that's kind of normal for a multitude of the angels to, to come and visit earth and then go back to heaven? Yeah, then. I've seen that before. No, this, this is big, right? This is a, a just reality altering event. And so is verse 15 then. The shepherds say, well, let's go. Let's go straight to Bethlehem. Let's, let's see what has happened. And so as verse 16 unfolds, they hurry off. They find Mary and Joseph. And look, it's the, just this. It's just, you feel like you're walking in a Christmas carol as you read verse 16. And the baby who is lying in the manger. And as verse 17 says, after seeing this, they reported the message they were told about this child and all who heard it were amazed. It is like there, Luke pulls all of us in as we're reading this and we're wondering, wow, what, what, what was that like for the shepherds? What was that like for them in the moment? And then what was that like then for the remainder of their lives? And it's like Luke then says, oh, you're wondering what that was like for them for the rest of their lives? It was like it made such an impression on them that they were telling about that baby, telling about the Lord Jesus for the remainder of their days going forward. So what we see here is again that Jesus is the Prince of Peace, that he brings peace with God, brings peace unto us. Even as the Apostle Paul says in the book of Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 14 says, for he himself is our peace. Oh, it's a beautiful verse. I'll try to refrain from quoting that to you in the Latin this morning, but it's absolutely beautiful here, showing that Jesus himself is our peace. And so the first point that I made this morning is that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Secondly, this morning, his peace must now be received. This is one of the things that is shocking as we read through the gospel accounts is that as Jesus is there, as he is walking and talking and ministering to people and giving his teaching, his, it's oral teaching that's there that people, people can hear it. They can see his teaching. They can see his miracles. But as you read through the gospel accounts, it's often shocking that there are those that saw his miracles that heard his teaching and yet still did not place their faith and trust in him. His peace now must be received. And here's where I did something that I don't think I'd ever done before. I traced peace in Luke's writing. That is in both the, the book of Luke 
and in the book of Acts. Luke uses the word peace 19 times in 18 verses. In Luke 1, Jesus is described there how he will guide his people into peace. Here in Luke 2, it speaks of, of, the, of, of the, the, even after death for the people of God, having peace. Luke chapter 7 and 8 and 10 speak of Christians having peace in this life, which is a, a massive point. But then even in Luke 19, again, if you all are looking for something to do over these next several days, Write this down there in your uh, notes, but I would encourage you. I'd never noticed this before, but in Luke 19, in fact, when the triumphal entry is occurring, it looks like in Luke's account of the triumphal entry, the stuff the people are shouting is a rewording of the words from the angels here in Luke 2. I don't quite know fully what to do with that, but I had never noticed that before. Absolutely an amazing statement. So Luke 19, the people there in Jerusalem are shouting during that triumphal entry words that sound like a rewording of the angelic announcement here. We continue to trace peace all the way through. One of the verses that I've spent uh, literally months of my life on is the uh, verse in Acts, Acts chapter 9, verse 31. It's a massive verse. In Acts 9, 31, what it's getting at is the church was flourishing. And in those days, as the church was flourishing, if you've read the book of Acts, uh, they weren't flourishing in a financial sense. And even they weren't flourishing in a personal living sense. In other words, the Christians were being persecuted and put to death. And yet, Acts 9.31 says, the church in those days as she was growing and was catapulted out from Jerusalem, as the church was being persecuted and was growing, the Bible says the church there had peace. In other words, when the Bible and even when the author Luke here, writing under the inspiration of God's Spirit, when he uses the word peace, he means something robust, something that we need to spend time thinking about all that that word peace means. And really, I could keep on going, but all that is to say what is happening as this peace is described. Well, let me mention one more. In Acts chapter 10, when in fact Peter is giving the marvelous sermon there describing the gospel reaching the Gentiles, Peter is explicit in talking about how, in fact, that, that, that Peter mentions the good news of peace through Jesus Christ. He links that good news of peace with, in fact, in verse 43 of Acts 10, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. And so even the apostle Peter, uh, when Luke records that, is linking together peace through Christ with, in fact, receiving forgiveness of sins. So all that is to say, when we read Luke 2, and the angels proclaim glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors, just know there's a lot happening behind the scenes, even in that word peace, even in the Gospel of Luke, even in the books of Luke and Acts, even in the entirety of the New Testament, and then across the pages of the entire Bible, there is a lot going there. And so what I'm trying to get at this morning is not merely that Jesus is the Prince of Peace, but secondly, His peace now must be received. And that's a purposeful action on our part. 
It's not about just going through the motions and saying, oh yes, it's Christmas time again. Time to get out the red, time to get out the green, time to put the lights on the tree, time to remember what those recipes were I cooked last year. It's not about that. When we look at, in fact, Jesus, we look at, in fact, this Christmas season, we understand that Christ Jesus must then be received into our heart, even the way Luke writes it, using the word peace. He is making that point, if we trace it through, that the peace that Christ offers is a peace that must be received, that we must invite in. He has come to us. But even as he comes to us, As you journey through its length, the good news of peace of Jesus Christ with everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. So Jesus is the Prince of Peace. His peace must now be received. And the last point to make this morning is his peace will one day be plentiful. And and I struggle with the language here that I wanted to use right here. This morning, we could talk at length about the brokenness of our world around us. We could. We could pull up any news site, Fox News, MSNBC, New York Times, Washington Post, Los Angeles Times, uh, Guardian, London. We could pull up whatever news site that we wanted. And there would be horrible things happening there. Ongoing wars, multiple parts of the world, heartache, abuse, all kinds of brokenness around us. Peace in every sense of that word is often missing from our world today. But that will not always be the case. As we are taught in our Bibles by the Lord, we should anticipate and long for the day when Jesus returns. Matter of fact, even as the Apostle John writes for us in Revelation 22, we should pray and we should say, Amen, come, Lord Jesus. You see, when Jesus returns, it is wonderful news for the people of God. We long for the day, in fact, when His peace will, in fact, be, and I couldn't find the right word, plentiful is not the right word, but I couldn't find a better one, but the idea there is His peace will be everywhere everywhere, not just among those that have received his peace, but it will be everywhere, plentiful. When Jesus returns, it is wonderful news for the people of God. But for those that do not follow the Lord Jesus, as Jesus himself described, the gospel described, it's, it's, it's bad news. It's, it's the worst news ever. And so, in fact, as we Proclaim Jesus as Prince of Peace. We proclaim Him as Prince of Peace. Sing that, shout that, talk about that. We then talk about how His peace must now be received. And as well about how His peace will one day be plentiful. And along those lines, I was made aware of something that I didn't know this week as well. Next time you sing joy to the world. Uh, Look again at the lyrics of that Christmas carol. And as the story goes about that particular Christmas carol, it was not primarily written with the Christmas event in mind, with the incarnation in mind. 
primarily written with the second coming of Jesus in mind. There's so much for us to look at, think about. And so my encouragement to us this morning is to reflect upon Jesus as Prince of Peace. Let's go to the Lord in prayer at this